All right, we're going to continue with Galatians. But I first want to, you know, just to go back to what we were talking about, what God wants from us. And somebody made this search on Google, and Google is right in alignment with what uh, Ephesians talks about, right? So that this is what we were talking about in the beginning here, and I'm going to read Ephesians 3, 14 uh, for a few verses. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Amen. Amen. Can we agree on this? Wow. You know, and to me, this is beautiful because that we talked about this when we were reading Ephesians. Ephesians is not limited to one local church, but it was like a letter that was written to be sent to every church. So it's like the, the heart of Paul, the heart of the gospel is in this letter. You know, and then we continue here. You know, at chapter 4, he said, that you may all grow up and you may mature so you're not moved by false teachings, right? And then that's what we are reading in Galatians. Galatians, is, is, we read the first two chapters. He said, what is going on? You're forgetting already what I, I taught you when I was with you. And now people are coming and trying to convince you of something different, that you need to be circumcised and you need to keep the dates and the peace and this and the other thing. You know, and, but the heart of Paul in, in, in Ephesians is very clear. It's like, this is not by what you do so that no one may boast. It is by grace. It is only by grace. You know, but we, we as humans... We try to be in charge and in control. You know, and so we try to build a little box that, you know, we define God and, and we define our rituals and how we have access to God. And God came and destroyed all of that and said, you're only going to have access to me through my son and through what he did for you and not what you did to attain or to deserve it. Okay, so we bless this for us because I, I think that, you know, and we were talking about that last Sunday, we are looking for takeaway home messages. You know, how can we be a church according to the scriptures? How can we really try to reflect the culture, 
that Paul is describing or looking to create in all those churches, right? So he starts here, and if, if you're following in another translation and you think yours is a little better to understand, just stop me and read your verse also, okay? So, verse chapter 3, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. So, Paul, in one of his trips, he got sick and he stayed in Galatia, this huge area where a lot of churches were started. So he probably stayed there, I don't know how long, you know, and then said, hey, who is deceiving you and taking you away from what, from what you learned? Right? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. The scripture, and we talked about that in the, in the class Tuesday, every reference to scriptures in the New Testament is talking about the Old Testament, right? So everything, you cannot separate the two. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Right? Abraham came before the law, before Moses, before everything, before the command. I mean, God told Abraham to circumcise all his household, right? The males. But it was even before the law. Okay. Uh, all the nations will be blessed in you. Verse 9. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. So you have, if you're going to try to follow the law, you have to follow everything. Not miss one. Right? Now, that no one is justified by the law before God is evident. For... The righteous man shall live by faith. Okay? 
So this is a, a quote from uh, the Old Testament. The righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I know I have somebody helping me here, Gabriel. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, he's translating. Okay, so. I know this is complicated. It can be a little complicated with this translation. But Paul, what he's saying here is like it's addressing the same issue that we were talking about. You know, these guys were doing fine. They were walking with God. They were, you know, a bunch of Gentiles, you know, in this huge area. And I, one time I read that there was some Gauls, so maybe some Vikings that came from the north, and they took over that whole area. So it was probably like a mix of cultures and a lot of things going on. You know, and then somebody came when Paul left and started convincing them that they had to become Jews, that they had to, you know, be circumcised and, and, and follow the law, the works of the law. And so Paul is like from, you know, prison, I think, you know, writing to them, like, what is going on? What, why are you letting this happen? Brethren, I speak in terms of human relations. Even though it is only a man's covenant, yet when it has been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. You cannot change a covenant right after it's ratified. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say to his seeds, the plural. So it's only one seed. As referring to many, but rather to one. And to your seed, that is Christ. What I'm saying is this, the law which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. The covenant came, the covenant with Israel, the law, came and it did not nullify the promise that God made to Abraham that all nations would be blessed. Right? For if the inheritance is based on law, it is no longer based on promise. But God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions. Having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator. Until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. Now... A mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. 
Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. So Paul is saying, I'm, I'm saying all of this, I'm not saying that the law is wrong, you know, it's not contrary to the promise, but it was used by God, right? May it never be, for if the law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith come, came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. So he was saying, we were all considered as sinners because of the law, and we were kept in custody, almost like as prisoners, right, under the law. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Yes. Yes, and that's the message in Ephesians also, that he removed the dividing walls so that we would become a new, whole, a whole new man. You know, so to me, I think so. I think that Paul would be sad. I think Christ, if you read uh, John 17, his prayer for oneness, I think that he would be looking at what we see today and be completely sad because it's going against what he was asking the Father to happen. You know, so to me, uh, that's why I shared that podcast, you know, because I, I think that there is a, a, a very important uh, thing going on that it, it takes a lot of maturity to stay one with 
differences. You know, and I, I think that a lot of times our Corinthians talks about that. You know, I, I cannot talk to you as spiritual men, as, but as carnal men, because there are divisions among you. You know, so to me, I think that every division that we see is the byproduct of the immaturity of the church. Well, yeah, I, I, what he was saying there was we're living in a very unique time that for 2,000 years there was no Israel and the church together. You know, the, when the early church started, there was Israel, a nation of Israel, and the church. And they were one, and everything started together. You know, and then for destruction of the temple, the diaspora, you know, there was no nation of Israel. And just the last 1948, you know, like 50, 70, few, a couple years, you know, 70 years, there is a nation of Israel. And now there's a messianic movement that is like Gentiles and Jews worshiping together. You know, so it is interesting because I think that you know, and even we, we have been fighting and interceding and praying for oneness. You know, and so we were like relating to the Jews, relating to the Catholic, Catholics, you know, and I think that we, what we are doing here is fun. I think it is, I think it is meaningful for me that we, we have this relationship with the Anglican Church and Grace Church and relationship with other churches other pastors and leaders, you know. So, by, by the way, uh, Waipuna Chapel is going to be using the property in January for a, a retreat for their leadership. You know, so to me, I think that it takes a lot of, uh, you know, everybody that hears about that is, wow, usually no church allows that. Another church to come and use it and, and have that. You know, so to me, I, I think that there is a, something happening in the maturing of the body of Christ. You know, that is not what people are afraid of, one world religion. I, I don't think that that's what's happening, but it, it is a respect one another. Consider, honor one another. That, to me, is what Paul is talking about here. You know. And, the different gifts, the Yeah. We've done it. Yeah. We, we were starting, before the pandemic, we were starting once a month 
a prayer meeting mm -hmm. within his house of restoration and uh, church of the firstborn. And we, we keep talking about doing that again, you know, and then Pastor Rob said that he would also try to join. And so that would be four churches, you know, worshiping and, and praying together. So I, I think that that is, that's what is in my heart, you know, and that's one of the things that we heard so many, 1980, <laughs> in Lahaina, you know, John was talking about, you know, that something would have to happen in Maui that would affect the whole world. If we, we, if we could find that oneness here, we would be able to change everything. You know, and I, I, and I really believe that. I, I still believe that. I believe that there is something that should happen in Maui, you know, that we, we learn to come together, you know, like, like Paul was trying to make it happen in, in Ephesians, in Galatians, you know, like, hey, you guys come together, you know, respect one another. You know, and if if offends your brother to eat meat, don't eat. You know, but, but a lot of times what, what we do, you know, and that's what Gentiles did, you know, throughout the 2,000 years. It's like, now you cannot be a, a believer if you don't eat pork. So it's like trying to force the Jews to become Gentiles. You know, and to me, it's like both ends of the family, you know, like you have to become a Jew or you have to become a Gentile. And that's what Paul was trying to avoid here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the deal is this too. Um, you're right on there because love is love trumps intellect. Yeah. Love trumps division. Love trumps my heritage to a certain extent. Love trumps everything. So if you can get to that place without stumbling over what is different. Than I'm comfortable with love can kind of bridge the gap. And that's, I mean, it's great. It's, yeah. You can say that over and over again. Love is more powerful than anything, even uh, your past. But it takes a while to simply accept that, that it cleanses away some of the stuff. Yeah. And a church to me is kind of like a family. So, yes, family, you don't go hang out with everybody else's family, you hang out with your family. Families get together, they do things together. It's not a lack of oneness that there's different churches. It's just there's different families. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's pretty yeah. obvious. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, I think I finished chapter three, right? Want to go one more? Because this is just a continuation of the same thought here. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, 
He does not differ at all from a slave, although he's owner of everything. But he's under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. Again, here the idea of maturity and immaturity, right? If you're a child, you're going to be under guardians. You're not going to be able to walk and, and inherit the fullness of what belongs to you. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. And some translate this as elemental spirits, you know, and so as long as you are immature, you're going to be under guardians and tutors, you know, teachers, right? But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. So I, I think here he's talking about pagan worship, that they were worshiping elemental spirits. They were worshiping, you know, thunder and sun and moon and wind and, you know, <clears throat> and just as they were under these gods, you know, others were under the law. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that per perhaps I have labored over you in vain. Boys, I, did I waste my time with you? <laughs> and you're going back to this old traditions, the celebrating days and feasts and all of that. You know, I beg of you, brethren, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You have done no, me no wrong. But you know that it was because of bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. And that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, you did not despise or loathe, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Where then is that sense of blessing you had? Right? I mean, it's like when you're first saved, people always talk about that, you know, you're, you're first saved and you receive salvation and you receive the love of God, and then it's like the honeymoon, right? And then some old, grumpy, crusty Christians start telling you, you need to do this, and you need to stop doing that, and you need to da da and then you go, oh my God, if I don't do this, God is going to reject me. But when you were first saved, you just 
felt the love of God that was not based on what you did, <laughs> right? So that's what he was saying. Where's the sense of blessing that you had? Where is that feeling of honeymoon with God that you were so open to receive his love for you despite what you did right or wrong, despite your past, your culture, your background, right? For I bear you witness that, if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given, given them to me. So have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? They eagerly seek you, not commendably, but they wish to shut you out so that you will seek them. So he's saying, these people that are deceiving you, that preaching, are preaching a different gospel to you, they're doing that to control you. They're, they're, they want to isolate you from the truth of the gospel so that they can control you. But it is good always to be eagerly sought in a commendable manner. And not only when I am present with you, my children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you, but I could wish to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Paul is saying, what are you guys doing? Why are you falling for this? You know, and that that's, again, connects to Ephesians, talking about why we have apostles and prophets, you know, for the equipping of the saints. So you stop being moved and deceived, right? I am perplexed about you. I'm shocked. <laughs> Tell me, you who want to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bond woman and one by the free woman. But the son of the bond woman was born according to the flesh, and the son by the free woman through the promise. This is speaking allegorically speaking, for this woman were two covenants, one proceeding from Mount Sinai, bearing children who are to be slaves. She is Hagar. Now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem. For she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For more numerous are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. But as at that time, the one who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so it is now also. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bond woman and her son. For the son of the bond woman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of a bond woman, 
but of the free woman. This is a little hard to... Yeah, what's the... Well, he's, this is a very, uh, how, how do you say that? It's like a very polemical, controversial. controversial statement here. That a lot of people take this as Paul being anti-Jews, you know. And I don't think that he was saying that. I think that he was just trying to make a statement saying that, you know, if you're under the law, you're going to always be a slave because you're trying to produce something out of the flesh. You know, and your obedience to the law is like you giving birth to Ishmael, you know, and, and, and just producing that works all over again. You know, but if you believe that it is by the Spirit and it is by grace, it is by your faith in what Jesus did for you, then you're, you're going to be a free son. You're going to be heir, truly. You know, and that's what I think what ends up being is all about that. You know, it's like our religious mind or human mind will always try to control. And then not only that, you know, let's say... Uh, you know, that's, we're talking about divisions between churches, you know, like, or even in a, within a church. So let, let's say, oh, I, I am more spiritual because I do this, or I'm, you're less spiritual because you do that. Does it make sense? Then we start judging and comparing ourselves to others instead of just being in awe of the diversity that God created. You know, that he's, you know, like John and, and Peter, you know, and they were asking him, but what about this guy? I said, you don't worry about him. I'm going to relate to him. I'm going to request something from him that I may not request from you. But what I'm requesting from you, you do it. You know, so to me, I, I think that that's where there's not one verse in all of Paul's teaching that says that the Jews should stop being Jews or celebrating the feast and changing their diets and all of that. And, and Acts 15 is where, you know, after this trip here, Paul goes to Jerusalem and he talks to the apostles there and they come with a solution to the problem of the Gentiles. What are we going to do with them? Should we request that they be circumcised, that they eat, you know, that follow the dietary laws and all of that? And then James, Jesus' brother, said, no, we're not going to ask them to do that. You know, uh, that only that they, they give to the poor, take care of the widows, you know, and, and do not, I think there's like something related to Noah's laws, which is also controversial. I don't know. There's a lot of people that don't agree with that. Anyway, so to me, I think that what Paul was saying in Corinthians also is like we are many members of one body. You know, and each member is different. You cannot say, uh, you know, you cannot say you don't need the eye because you're a hand. You know, but we need to learn how to relate 
in respecting the differences. You know, and going with, with what uh, Leanne was saying, you know, I think that I'm not saying I, I'm not saying that we, we are the only religion right. You know, I, I think that there are a lot of people that are finding God in a different way. And I think that at one point they could accept Jesus and be completely there and basking in the freedom that God is giving us. You know, but I, I, realizing that God is, his heart is for all humankind and everybody. You know, and then he came to save everybody. You know, and then that was a promise to Abraham. He knew all the nations. And but in you, meaning in your seed, Jesus Christ, all the nations will be saved. You know, so to me, uh, I, I'm loving the freedom that we have right now. You know, because we, we can learn and we can stop judging and comparing ourselves. And we can just like follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and do that. And knowing that, hey, maybe that person is also walking with God. And who am I to say that that person is not walking with God? If, like, if that person is not going to church or going to church, I don't know. You know, and, and we, we can just be that love and acceptance wherever we go. You know, and we... You don't have to figure it out. No. You know, and he. You know, and then he continues in the last portion of the the, uh, the this book. He says, "Oh, the 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 law is fulfilled in one thing." Here, verse fourteen. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In this statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the neighbor here is not people from the church. You know, the neighbor here is, it may be somebody that you do not agree with. You know, and then when Jesus was talking about this, the rabbis were like, but who is my neighbor? You know, and then he uses that example of the guy that was found in the middle of the road, you know, beaten down and hurt, you know, and then the, and then he uses the, you know, the two, the, uh, a priest and a, a scribe walk by, they cross the street to not walk by the neighbor, you know, and then the, the good Samaritan came and he was the real one that was loving his neighbor, you know, and so, it, like, because again, you know, this division goes both ways, right? Anyways, Lord, help us. Yeah, well, because um, I think one of the interesting things about Maui is that it has remained, it's not a melting pot. You know, all the different cultures have respected one another and, and included one another. You know, if it was like a bomb dance or something with the Japanese, everybody was invited. But I think Maui is already meeting that way in that yeah. you know, Hawaiian culture and Native American culture. And I 
accepting differences. Yeah. 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 Them, yeah. But not not wanting everybody to become this thing that's just being Yeah. Interesting with the uh, you know, loving neighbor as yourself and earlier you read the passage that said, um, hey, Yeah, because here's what, chapter 5, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You know, so I, we, we, we've done that. You know, like I was young and stupid. You know, so I, I, I'm free. I'm not, I don't have to be religious so I can smoke, right? And then I would smoke because, and that was not freedom, that was stupidity. <laughs> you know, and, and, so, and so many other things. Oh, I, I, I am not religious so I can get drunk. You know, and then that's not also, don't use your freedom. You know, just to shock somebody, just to offend and make somebody stumble because you have that freedom from the Lord, but maybe that little person does not have that freedom from the Lord. And the Lord spoke something different for that person. You know, so you do whatever you have, you're supposed to do and respect the walk that that person has. You know, so to me, I am not better than anybody that gets up in the morning on a Sunday morning and goes to any church. Because they are walking with God in their own expression and they're doing exactly what God is showing and revealing to them. You know, and, and if it is going to a, a, a Catholic church or a Pentecostal church or, a, you know, any kind of church because it is where God put that person in. And no church is better than any other church and we learned that. And I, wanna, I don't want to go back to thinking that there is a better church than others. You know, because every church is a piece of the body of Christ and we should just love one another and be members of one body together. Yeah, I was young and stupid, I'm older and a little less stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I feel less stupid. I think you just need to be gracious. So if you hear the word gracious, what does that mean? Gracious. Because when, when, when grace is heaped on and, and all I can just five years ago Five years ago, we picked up Dahlia in October. Danielle is still in prison. <laughs> I'm going to quit my job. Is, is Vandetta going to quit her job to take care of a five-day-old kid? We were talking about that while Vandetta's on the airplane. And we had asked Karen to die like a week or two or three. You know, and she goes, oh, no, because her and Katie were getting divorced. They were, and so we just go, what the, you know, we were up against 
no answer to this solution, you know? Mm -hmm. And it ended up, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because when grace hits you, it levels you. It levels all your, all your division. There's no division in grace. It just levels your ass. So what ended up happening was Karen goes, well, you know what? Kenny said it'd be okay, so I'll watch Dolly during the day. So we didn't have to quit work. And, and then the reason, this was at Christmas time, right? Because Ann Young didn't get out until December. So we had the baby, and then she got out. And she got back, and there was all this resistance about her even leaving California because, oh, you have to do your halfway house, and there, you, there's no way you deserve to be with your baby because you are a criminal. And she, she didn't give me a bad time. Grace covered all of that and it healed everything, and it took away all that, you know, drug addict thinking, you're bad, this, you're bad, that, who's the father? <laughs> I mean, you can go really deep with this, you know. Well, that kid doesn't even know. Who cares? Who cares? And that, that's why I'm saying, go ahead and take a swing and try to figure it out. Who cares? I mean, we care about, you know, what we give our lives to, but grace covers all that. And love even is deeper, you know. Yeah. So you put those two together, and then you can shut your brain out. Yeah. Know? And that's why I, I like Brandon Manning. Yeah. He's, yeah because he goes like, completely against all this religious thinking, you know, and it is like there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. He loves you the way you are, not the way you think you should be, you know, and, 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 and it's undeserving, unmerited, and it is just the way God is, you know, and then bad things happen, yeah, but it's not because of what you did or did not do. It's just because this is a broken world and bad things happen. <laughs> you know, and then you, you learn from your mistakes and hopefully, you know, reap better results. Hopefully. You know, so anyways, we bless this for us. Yeah. You know, to me, again, it, it, I think this is, I'm reading this chapter of this book called Divine Conspiracy. And it's about community and about not judging. But it's so deep that I, I, I have to read like a half a page and stop and, and digest, you know, because this thing of judging and condemning, and it's so part of our nature. Subconscious. You know, you condemn yourself. You know, you judge yourself all the time. You know, and then because of you do that, you do that to others. You know, and then you are always comparing yourself to others. You know, and, and then if you understand grace and if you understand the meaning of the cross is that, you know, and the Lord's Prayer, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. You know, so I, I was praying that this week and saying, God, help me to forgive. You know, help me to forgive myself. You know, and help me to forgive others so that I can ask for your forgiveness, you know, but as long as I, I retain that right to sit on the throne and be the judge of everything and everybody, I am in trouble, you know, and then again, the, the oneness will never happen, you know, and, and it's interesting, you know, I, I haven't read that in a long time, but 
that message that came in Lahaina in March 1980, this is why it happens, this is why it doesn't happen, it is very uh, written in my heart. You know, and it is all about this oneness and, and just everything will come to divide us. You know, everything will come to divide us because it's exactly the opposite of what God is looking for. So by the blood we are one. And we, we bless this house to be a house that will walk in this cry of the Lord for oneness, the cry of Paul, that we do not let, you know, our, our freedom to give us opportunity to divide and opportunity to the flesh, but that we, we, every time we come together, we have an opportunity to get to know God through somebody that thinks different than you. <laughs> you know, because God is revealing himself through many different people right now. You know, and, and, and instead of picking and choosing, I want to relate to God the way that he's showing and revealing himself to me today. And it's fun to do that because he's everywhere. You know, and every encounter with anybody that you meet during the week, is a, it is an opportunity to have a meeting with God. You know, so we, we bless that for us. I bless, we bless this communion. We say, Lord, let, let it never become a dead ritual or a work of the flesh, a dead work, but let it be a, a blessing and let it be a, a, an exercise of our faith of you filling us. That's what you want. That's why you wrote, Paul wrote in Ephesians, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, and so we, we allow the, the communion to wash away our old conditionings. And we say, Lord, give us new thoughts, new thinking for this new day that we walk with you in the freedom that you've died to give to us. And that we do not go back to a slave mentality, to a, a religious performance mentality but that we walk in the freedom and love that you want us to walk in. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. amen.